Oh boy. So we lost the file that we use to do the ladies hitting the ball back and forth. And all I could think of was to just grab it from a different episode. And in that episode, Kelly's giggling during it. So now every single episode we do will have Kelly giggling at the beginning, unless I actually think to take the time and go find, who was it, uh, Vika and Maria hitting the ball back and forth again. Which is just on YouTube under, like, loud women's loudest grunts in tennis ever. Like, it's a one-minute video. I should go find it. Anyway, that's where I'm at this morning. It's Sunday. Um, things didn't quite go as planned in a couple of the tournaments. Uh, I mean, if, if you listen to Kelly, things didn't go planned at all. If you listen to Andy, who said Wakanda rules and Monfils is never tired, which I shouldn't jinx him. He's up 5-1 in the second set, up a set. If he screws this up now because of me jinxing it on air, I'm going to be very upset. God, I might have to live bet like a dollar at like 50 to 1 here. Just to make me feel better. But anyway, Gale looks good. The other tournaments were a little uh, a little goofy. You want to do a soft recap? No, I don't want to talk about last week at all. One of the worst weeks of my uh, betting life. I got my shit pushed in right across the board. Um, you tried. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'd call what I did trying. I think I lost. Let's just check. I'm going to say uh, close to five or 600 bucks betting, and then $610 I'm down this week, plus the outrights. So we'll be approaching $1,000 in the hole this week. What a, what a shit show is what that is. It's bad. Oh. Well, it'll be weird. Yeah. And we didn't sit here and say, you know who probably wins some tournaments? Kyle Edmund and Casper Ruud. So, I mean. Things happen. Uh, I don't Things know. happen There's, like that. Uh, there were some crazy results. Um, good on Malfeast, though. Like he's that's impressive result for him. You were right to not worry about a weird trend that I was focused on. Um, he's played phenomenal. He hasn't lost a set since the first match at whatever the shit the tournament was last week. Boy, Montpellier. I can't remember. Montpellier. Montpellier. Yes, he has not lost a. Yeah, he's first round turning into like a better version of Joe Wilford Zonga at an advanced age. Like, um, Gail Monfils is 33, I think. Like, he's not young. Um, that's phenomenal what he's doing. I mean, the talent's always been there. That's long been, you know, the knock against him is that he's got all the talent in the world and just can't put it together. I don't know how he ever, you know, he's talked about this is my time. That's what he said last year when he won Rotterdam. I I don't know how he turns around his record against the big three. He's very – I love to bring up Thomas Burditch all the time. He's very Thomas Burditch that way. Like, I think he's, you know, combined like 2-50 and 50 against the big three. So <laughs> His – I mean, if you look at his all-time finals records, it was like 9-21. and 21. Yeah, yeah, like he and but to be fair, he, he if he does take this today, he will be four and one in his last five. So just kind of a you know, like you said, not not late, late career. You know, he's not forty, 
but you know, later in his career, a little renaissance. It's nice to see because I love him. Um, early on in my tennis betting, you know, a few years back, he was kind of goofy. Like I felt like he'd purposely drop second sets just to stay on the court more, <laughs> just so he could like ham it up in front of the crowd a little. Like, I used to he, believe that about. He does love the crowd. I used to believe that about Philip Kohlschreiber. And before I smartened up and realized, you know, fixes don't happen every time you lose a bet. I uh, I used to think Philip Kohlschreiber was a big um, a gambler because <laughs> he, if you ever look, if you have like, I don't know, random people just have time to kill, go look at Philip Kohlschreiber's career and look at how many times he wins the first set, drops the second set, and trucks somebody in the third set, and that person is always someone way lower in the rankings than Kohlschreiber. It's almost like he would win the first set and realize I can take this kid, fuck around for a set, drop it, and then truck him in the third set. And I could never understand whether that was a mental thing, whether he just maybe loved playing tennis, so he prolonged the matches, or if someone was actually like gambling on his second sets. It's pronounced. I'll say that much. Yeah. But I reiterate, good for Gail. You know, obviously we have a couple finals left. I'm, I mean, bigger favorites. Rude is a fair-sized favorite, and just based on you know, I think he's like one point one four in the final. Yeah, and then uh, Edmund, Edmund. I mean that nothing is guaranteed in life, but he should truck Sousa. He is much better. And then up in New York, Edmund over Seppi looks likely, but you never know. Seppi's had a nice week. If you look at the path. This is what happens in 250s, though, especially uh, 250s when there's three tournaments in a week. If you look at the path that Pedro Sousa got to go through to get to the finals, again, good on him that he made a final, his first one. Again, late bloomer. He's like 31 years old, barely ever played on the ATP Tour. His path to the finals is laughable. So good on him. Again, he won like four tie breaks too. Like just smallest of margins. He's going to get destroyed by Casper Ruud. Casper Ruud is yeah. playing like, so I was doing the stats for this week and obviously I have to manually compile the last week and then add it into all the available data online from Cordoba and the earlier part of the year. And once you add in the stuff that's happened in Buenos Aires, Casper Ruud has... Djokovic on hard court, Nadal on clay court type numbers right now. It's obviously a super small sample size, but uh, that—that's how you win a two hundred and fifty early in the season. Yeah, exactly. You you redline. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, yeah. You know, you never know. Like you know, we, we we've seen stuff like this where somebody just starts redlining, and it can turn into a you know just a, a flame out, or it can turn into a Medvedev season where they just like oh. He's just going to keep doing this. He finally figured out something, whether it was coaching, mental, something. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where he heads. I don't. I I lean towards the former. Maybe not. Maybe not like flaming out, but you know, doing well on some clay through the season, but not, you know, not cracking like the top five or something wild. Obviously, but he should. Uh, he should truck today. Yeah, I think so. Which which leads us into this week, where we're still in France, 
still in South America and still in the U.S. of A., just heading a little further south. Oh, boy. Marseille. Speaking of Medvedev, this is a nice, this is a nice field. I looked at the three fields, you know, pretty top-heavy in, uh, pretty top-heavy in Rio and Delray, honestly. Like, once you get the, the third seed in Delray is Taylor Fritz. Not that he's had a bad year. The third seed in, in uh, what do you want to call it? It's Christian Garrett down in Rio. But Marseille has a bunch of nice names. Even in, I guess the third seed is David Guffan. We haven't been a big fan of him this year. But Pear, Shap, Herky, Sitsipas, Medvedev, nice field here. Exciting. The Open 13, which makes no sense. I don't know why they call it that. It's something to do with Marseille and the capital of whatever state that is. But anyway, indoor hard courts played at the Palace des Sports de Marseille, which has a capacity of 5,800 seats. Very excited for this tournament. Kelly, top half, what are you looking at? You would think with all your attempts that we would eventually get some kind of sponsorship from one of these tournaments that uh, you're, you're pumping their, uh, their sponsors. It's well done. There's some good French there. Um, my thoughts in the top half are that I don't want to touch anyone in the top half. When I was breaking down the tournament on Thursday and looking at who was uh, the you know short list of people I wanted to investigate for the tournament, the guy the guys in the top half who stood out to me were Hatchinov and FAA. Um, Hatchinov showed last week in uh, Rotterdam that maybe he still isn't quite where he should be. Um, I am a big fan of him, so maybe he'll turn it around. But not impressive. I watched his match when he lost last week. It was gross. Um, and he's in Medvedev's quarter, which is not helpful. Um, the top quarter actually looks kind of tough. Uh, if Yannick Sinner is finally over the nerves of playing ATP events week in and week out, he might start to become a threat. He was a good fade early in the year. Um, and then Bednay and Hatchinov face off in the first round. With the way Bednay's playing, um, I've mentioned this multiple times at the start of the year in our Doha and Adelaide podcast. He's a guy I'm going to be betting on a lot this year. So he could actually push Hatchinov in the first round. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, there's a little bit of an upset there. So the first quarter's off the off the radar for me. Um, I still think Medvedev is being overpriced. He's three to one or two and a half to one, depending on where you shop around. Um, I just don't know how, like, it's not that he's not amazing. He's still amazing. He's got three losses this year uh, to a, as you were saying, redlining, redlining, Vasek Pospisil, and uh, Joe Mainlining syrup. Sure, yeah. Just injecting it right into his veins. <laughs> Powering up. Freebasing maple yeah. syrup. Yeah. So Medvedev doesn't have a ton of good losses or a ton of bad losses on his record. But I just think that his sights are set on bigger things. You know, if he cares about a 250 in France, I, I honestly don't know why he's here. Um, after uh, playing in Rotterdam and losing to Pospisil, if I was him or if I was you know, giving advice to someone in his position, I would say, you know, you skip Marseille, uh, maybe play Dubai if you want a paycheck, but you should be like getting over to North America and prepping for the double, the sunshine double. Um, 
I have no idea why Medvedev's here. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he flames out again. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he just skips Dubai. Maybe. Yeah. Is does it, this one, if, if especially if he goes deep here, maybe he does just say skip at him heading to America. People don't skip Dubai. I know the money's it's good. Fucking unreal how much money, so money that tournament pays out in comparison to other. 500 level events it's a full million dollars more like it's 33 percent more than any other wow. 500 on tour so um they don't skip it so it's a I, good point though you're rocking a hard place like you you can't oppose medvedev in the quarter because he's that much better than everyone but at the same time his price sucks and his motivation might not be there in a you know a crappy little early season french 250 so good idea skipping it boy are we are we skipping the second one too? Yeah, Fab and qualifiers, and then you get Felix coming off a final. Right, FAA was another guy that I identified. Hair Bear might come out of that quarter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I identified uh, FAA as a guy I would love to bet on here um, on Thursday, and then he kept winning in uh, Rotterdam, and now he's in the final. So I think he's off the table. Um, that quarter's really soft. If you're a big proponent of Goffant, which I'm not, but if you are, he has the requisite stats to back up betting on him. His whole break numbers are always over 105%, which is a threshold I look for. Uh, he went to the semifinals in Montpellier, kind of flamed out in Rotterdam, so he shouldn't be you know, overly tired. Uh, he's a decent indoor player. I just don't like betting on him. Uh, he fucks me over all the time. So... If you're a proponent of Goffin, you could bet on him to come out of the quarter and then maybe not play Medvedev and have a chance to make the final. Uh, his price is not terrible, I guess, if that's your belief. I, I'm not a buyer at six and a half on him. Uh, I would have liked to take FAA if he had lost the semifinal yesterday. I probably would bet on him. But he made the final, which means he'll probably be tired. He's getting trucked in that final, which means, you know... He is the motivation level after getting destroyed in a 500-level event to come to a little 250, and it kind of puts me in the same position as with Medvedev. I don't know that I can get on board with that. So maybe take a flyer. Like There's two qualifiers in this quarter. Um, it's not a great idea, but if someone like uh, the Finnish kid comes out of qualifying, or I, I'm a big a believer in Igor Gerasimov. He's a Belarusian guy who's, you know, always around, you know, 80 to 100 in the rankings. Not a great tour player, but really good on indoor hard courts. Um, if one of those two guys lands in the quarter, maybe they can shock Goffin. Maybe they can get past somebody in the quarterfinals who's not FAA if he gets, you know, put out early. Their number would be massive. Uh, probably in the vicinity of eighty to one, but I, I'm, yeah, out I'm, not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm out on the second quarter. <laughs> I'm just throwing out some options if you're looking for something in the top half. Well, what about our other Canadian? No, I don't know what's really? wrong. He's got a qualifier first round, and then Herkits and Sitsipas. Uh, I think he actually has a. Buy, doesn't he? He's got a oh, buy. You're looking at Dennis, I'm looking at Vasic. <laughs> Vasic. Dennis is old news. Vasic is hot in the streets. <laughs> nice. Um, 
So I don't know if Dennis, you... Dennis has a buy, but then Chilich, Crash, Fuksovic, Bublik, Barrer, like these are all. That is actually a sneaky tough quarter. Yeah, it's a sneaky tough quarter. Uh, it is the sneaky tough quarter that I'm going to take an outright in though. Um, <gasps> so Chapo is on a four match losing streak, and I don't even think he's winning sets. I want to say maybe he won one set at the Aussie, but I think his last four matches, he might have got swept in all four of them. Maybe he sold a set off Fuksovitz. I can't remember, but he's not in good form. Um, I was kind of high on him coming into 2020, especially after I saw what happened at the ATP Cup, but it doesn't seem to have translated. I don't know what's going on with him. So I'm happy to fade him here. Uh on indoor hards, Marseille is one of the fastest courts we're seeing in Rotterdam that, and in New York, actually. Apparently, you can slow down indoor hard courts if you just throw enough sand on there and paint over it. Um, both tournaments this week, maybe that's what facilitated me losing so much money, is that they are playing way slower than they have in the past. Um, like Jason Young put out two huge servers in New York. Um, Marseille is not that way. Uh, and I don't haven't heard read anything that says they are trying to change the surface. So uber quick courts, uh, which means I like Marin Cilic this week. Um, Pear, Barrer, Fuksovic, Bublik, all those guys are kind of scary. Uh, maybe on outdoor hard courts. I think Cilic can probably serve his way through this quarter. Um, he's got a decent history here in Marseille. He's won it before. Um, he's holding. So last year was a hugely down season for Chilich. Um, but prior to last year and so far this year, he's a guy who holds serve like close to 90% of the time. Uh, his whole break numbers are routinely around 110% because not only does he hold serve in the high eighties, uh, he also breaks serve right around 20% of the time. So when Chilich is on his game, he is someone you can bet on, especially on a quick surface. His uh, indoor record is phenomenal. He's close to 700 winning percentage indoors in his career. Uh, I like him to turn things, start turning things around a little bit. He went four rounds deep at the Aussie. Uh, he got beat up by... Um, Raonic, who was playing out of his mind, I don't think Raonic got broken at all until he got to Djokovic in the semis. Um, so I, I think Chilich, you know, you could put that loss aside. Uh, he lost a coin flip tiebreak to Guido Pella at the ATP Cup. So I think he's in pretty good form. Uh, I like him to to make a run here. And his price isn't horrible, considering, you know, his history here and his, his game on a hard court, especially indoor hard court. I think the love being given to guys like Sitsipas and Medvedev and Hachinov has maybe inflated Chilich's price a little bit. So if you can get him at 16 to 1 at uh, Bet365, he's 11 and a half to 1 at some American books. So, I mean, if you got access to non American stuff, you can maybe uh, get a better price. I like him at sixteen to one. I'll be on. I'll be on the Hungarian. Fuksovic. Nope. Sorry, thirty to one. Ridiculous. 
he should be 22 to 1 tops. It's a pure numbers play from my tennis model. Looks like we'll be head-to-head early on in the tournament. I might put a little on your guy too, though. I think he's going to do this every week. If it's playing fast, if it's playing relatively fast, Chilich should have a a pretty nice go of things. So Chilich, whatever, 16 to 1, dead money. Fuksovic, 30 to 1, easy peasy. And we're on to South America. Which is further east than Delray Beach. I pulled up a map. Rio de Janeiro, beautiful coastal city. Home oh. I didn't even think of that. No, it's not quite. Fat Tuesday is not this Tuesday, it's next it's not this coming Tuesday, it's Tuesday after. I wonder if anybody does that, just stays down there for carnival. Probably it's a good part. I would do it. Anyway, like we said, top heavy. Uh, and again, like I say every week, same guys, all the same guys. Everybody moved over. Dominic team, big hitter, big big guy, big money, big seed, number one. Number two is all the way down to Dusan Leovic. So, uh, Garen, I think Garen's probably better than Leovic at this point. So, they're both at the bottom. Team has a pretty easy path through the top half like we made this joke yesterday team you you said team could do it on one leg and i said team could make the semifinals or finals with your bad back and my racket speed because we're both terrible at tennis he's he's got some guy i've never heard of in brazil he'll probably play yame munar uh, susa and rude are in this quarter and then, I mean, who are we scared of out of the second quarter, if at all? Paya? Like, team team should cruise to the finals. Um, I don't know. Well, do you have any other thoughts besides that? Or should we just say, set it and forget it? Um, so, <clears throat> he is, a hundred, like, plus 150 to win the title. That's Nadal-Djokovic-like numbers. Um, the top half was laid out for him pretty easily. Like you say, the one guy in the top quarter who you would worry about would be Casper Ruud, who's going to play in a final at like four in the afternoon today and then not get a bye at a 500-level event and have to get to work on Tuesday right away. So, yeah, I, I don't see how team loses. They've really mapped it out well for him. The big seed, like you say, is Guido Pella in the second quarter. He's looked not good on the golden swing so far. Um, nope. So I, I, I would guess maybe that Pablo Cuevas might come out of the second quarter. And if you were going to take a flyer on someone, that uh, that would be the guy in the top half you'd want to throw money at. Um, but even, like, the books obviously identified the same thing because Cuevas is only 10 to 1. So that's not great. Um, what I would suggest doing is if you want to bet this tournament, which obviously I bet everyone, so I... <laughs> Looking at the bottom half of the tournament. <laughs> well, should we do that one week? Just, just skip it. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there probably is um, reasoning to skip tournaments. Uh, I think that's probably a wise thing to do. Uh, one thing that I've recently been doing, I showed you this, and well, you guys talked about whole percentages uh, at tournaments or just in events with outright markets. 
And so I've been painstakingly going back through three years worth of tournaments and checking the whole percentages on every tournament that there's been on the HP tour. Do you have a line line graph? uh, Not yet, but I think at some point I will get to, um, get to a spot where I can identify tournaments like uh, the example I gave to our tennis chat uh, earlier this week after listening to your podcast, uh, the deep dive podcast. You're welcome. The example of a tournament with bad hole percentages uh, from a better's perspective that I gave to our tennis chat was Poon. A few weeks ago in India, 250 event with a hold percentage of 1.47, which is astronomically different than the other 250s that I have already gone back and back tested. Uh, that's uh, even higher than uh, most slams that I've looked at. So as I move forward, that's a tournament I would probably have second thoughts about betting into on the outright market. Whatever number you think you've identified as having value probably doesn't have the value you feel it does. Maybe you're comparing it to other 250s you generally handicap or past versions of that tournament. And uh, just need to realize that these books um, have different hole percentages for different tournaments. It's not all equaled out. Sometimes they don't know, or uh, sometimes they just don't have a feel, whatever numbers they're putting together. So they're jacking up the hole percentage. And I'm glad that's something that Deep Dive helped me identify. And now I can go back test every tournament that I have data for for the last three years and start checking that moving forward. Yeah, and like we like we said on the deep dive, it's it's very easy to identify, you know, the difference between minus one ten on a side and minus one fifteen or minus one twenty in some of these bad markets where the books need to increase the hold. But when you're looking at a field of X amount of tennis players, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty, how you know, a field of thirty two in some of these where they priced all you can't just look at it and identify the whole percentage by doing the math in your head. Shit ain't gonna happen. You have to get it all into a spreadsheet and do the math. And it is it is something you might find where a tournament like Poon, they're going to have a higher hold percentage because they don't know any better than we do. And it might be something worth betting a little less on or skipping. I think it's probably an exercise Kelly's going to do throughout the season here, especially since you put everything into a spreadsheet anyway and it can just be easily done you know by entering it in the same spreadsheet, letting it do the math for you. So that'll be something we'll look at and let you know as we go through the season. But what do you think now that we're down here in Rio? Should we just skip it because the whole percentage? (laughs) The whole percentage is not actually that bad. It's a uh, rate in the range. I I don't know what's been cut and what's not, but the range for a 250 would be somewhere between 1.27 and 1.32. That 5% gap is what I'm going to try to try to identify moving forward. Rio falls into that. Um, it does have a super heavy favorite priced like a Djokovic or an Adal at a slam. And not sure I'm going to get involved in the top half. Uh, team does have a history of showing up to the golden swing and being able to win without any kind of prep. Uh, he hardly ever attends the first tournament of the Golden Swing. Uh, last year, he showed up to, not last year, 2017, he showed up to this event after playing in Rotterdam. Um, so that's an immediate flight across the Atlantic and 
he won the event. So he doesn't need a lot of prep. He is the preeminent non-Nadal clay player on tour. I, I'm assuming most people would agree he's probably equivalent to Djokovic or better on clay. Um, so I wouldn't touch that. They've laid out the golden carpet for him here, the red carpet for him. Brazilian local wildcard kid I've never heard of. Uh, some guys ranked around 100th in the world, Caruso and Munar in the second round. And then the two finalists from Buenos Aires and a bunch of qualifiers. How team loses in the first quarter, I, I don't know. Uh, he should be able to get through that. And the second quarter is not much better. Uh, Guido Pell is the big seed. He hasn't looked great on the golden swing. Verdasco and Montero, Diago Montero, you never know which one's going to show up. Uh, the guy I did like in this quarter is Pablo Cuevas. He is uh, from South America. He plays well at all these events. Down here, he's got good history at this event in particular. And, you know, he's he's someone who can challenge team. Uh, but his price is depressed. The books obviously saw the same thing I did. Uh, he's only 10 to 1. That's not great. Uh, he's gone to the quarterfinals at both Golden Swing events so far, Cordoba and Buenos Aires. The chances of him making a third straight semifinal or quarterfinal run are probably slim. So I'm out in the top half in general. Uh, I'll look to the bottom half for my outright. It's worth mentioning that Brad Gilbert's nickname for him is home team. We should do more of that. <laughs> but he's not we, home. We, Maybe we'll, we, we can use have, that when he's in Kitzbühel. How about that? We will use that when he does play in Austria. I, I'm going to bet team because I don't care. I think the numbers should be closer to... Plus 125. If I can find anything above plus 150, I'm going to bet it. But I think you had your eyes on something a little more bottom halfy. Lead me through it. Yeah, before I do that, you could probably make the argument that plus 140, uh, which is what he's available at, bet 365, is value. Because um, you could make the case that he should be juiced like a minus number to win this tournament. Uh, in his first three matches... He's going to be upwards of a you know minus a thousand in each of them uh, on the money line, and unless he plays Verdasco, who's had some crazy success against him, um, he should be able to get to the final without dropping a set. Uh, you you could probably make a case that he should be minus money anyway. Um, and you can get plus one seventy at Bookmaker Chris right now. So oh, there you go. Jump on it. I like. So there's two, the two big seeds in the bottom half are Christian Guerin in the third quarter and Dusan Leovic in the fourth quarter. Uh, like both those guys, the fourth quarter seems uber tough to me. Uh, Chechen Auto is Leovic's first round match. Uh, Chechen Auto, if he shows up, super hard to play against. If he doesn't show up, Leovic gets a, basically a walkover. Um, Leo Mayer is a guy with a big serve that could, you know, cause some problems. And then Chorich and Landero are both in the fourth quarter as well. I don't think it's an easy path for Leovic. He didn't look spectacular in Buenos Aires. Uh, he had to go to two tie breaks to beat Pedro Martinez. And then he got trucked by Casper Ruud like everybody else. So I think I'm out on the fourth quarter. It looks too hard to pick. 
The third quarter is where I would look for the outright, and I would take Christian Guerin. Uh, Guerin is a guy who is a Nadal disciple, was identified by Nadal like three or four years ago as a kid to watch out for on clay. With his title in Cordoba two weeks ago, he now has three titles in the last nine months, uh, all on clay. Uh, he's built to to win on in these conditions. He's like six foot six one, 190 pounds. Not quite Vavrinka like, but pretty close. Um, hits with a lot of power, and I like his his quarter. He's got to play uh, Andrea Martin in the first round, and then. RCB or Del Bonus in the second round. All three of those guys are ranked uh, down towards 100 in the rankings. Uh, Shouldn't be a huge challenge. The top half of his quarter has 16-year-old wonder kid from Spain and Corten Mute, who I think uh, can be beaten. I bet on him last week. Yeah, that didn't work. And for the record, it's Wonderkind, not Wonderkid. Whatever. I'm not German or Spanish. Yeah, okay. I'll do my best to say one. Wunderkind, actually. There, you should give it a little, little bit go. of a German flair. I, I, uh, I bet on him last week, and I said because he, like, knocked out my outright two weeks in a row that I was going to bet on him so he wouldn't win anything, and he certainly panned out there. He didn't even win a set, I don't think. But it, <laughs> I'm glad I did not put much money on him because he was, like, 20 to 1. I went small. And you know what? Gail, Gail paid for everything else, so good for him. I will say, yeah. Fucking Gale. Congrats on that. Um, it's easy if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing. Uh, I will say this Wonderkind, uh, uh, Carlos Al- Alcaraz. So he is 16, I think. Like he is uber young, uh, especially when you consider how much fanfare was given to guys like FAA and Chapo up in Canada when they were breaking out at 17 and 18. This kid's even younger than that. He has, of course, you have to put it in context, he's playing in ITF events, not even the challenger level, but he is 14-1 and so far this year. He won the first two events he entered and then lost in the finals uh, two weeks ago to a guy who's also like a wonderkind, a Hungarian kid who's uh, pretty good. So this kid, yeah. This uh, this Spanish kid can really play tennis. Um, he lost to Piros. Yeah, so yeah, he's good. it'll be interesting to see how he does. He's got a rough draw. Like he drew Ramos Vinolas in the first round. That kind of sucks for your first ATP match to get like a legit, uh, you know, top top forty, top fifty player who's got a bunch of titles to his name. Um, yeah, he hasn't even played a challenger yet this year. It's all been M fifteen stuff. Yeah. He, he did, but he, you know, he played challengers last year. He had a couple nights. He beat uh, Hansman, and these aren't studs, but he beat no names. He beat he beat some players that are in the top two hundred. Yeah, so, I think Ramos wow. loss is a bit of a step up. He was born in two thousand three. I was graduated from high school by then. Wow, I was graduated oh. from university and already in the workforce. It's scary. Um, I mean, well into your fifties. Yeah. <laughs> The other two uh, young guys that you should look out for in this tournament, just to circle back to the fourth quarter for a second, um, play each other in the first round. Uh, Fokina and Saboth Wild, 
I'm sure that's Tiago not how you pronounce it. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. But anyway, they play in the first round. Um, that's a super exciting match that if you love clay tennis and you like watching the next gen coming through, I would check that out. These guys are like identical, both six feet, 175 pounds, right-handed. Like they're, uh, that's going to be a fun match to watch. So check out that match. Uh, even if you don't bet on it. Anyway, I like Christian Guerin to come through this tournament. Uh, I like him to get out of his quarter. ARV should be the only real challenge. Maybe we'll see him get upset by a 16 year old. That'd be kind of fun. Um, and then hopefully who's ever coming out of the fourth quarter is beat up after playing three tough matches. Uh, Christian Guerin at 10 to one is what I like coming out of here. His stats on clay are impressive. Um, he, uh, he breaks serve at a electric rate. So he's a little bit of a late bloomer considering the hype that if you go back and read some of the hype, I do a little research on him. Um, 23 is not super old, but maybe he was expected to, uh, break out a little earlier. I'm sure that might have something to do with the fact that Chile is not a tennis power. I'm sure he's maybe the uh, infrastructure to get him to this level maybe wasn't there. I can't think of another like really good Chilean tennis player off the top of my head. That's kind of hurtful to anybody else from Chile. <laughs> what about, uh... Nicholas Yari was the guy yeah. that I was all yeah. like – all hot and bothered about last year. And then oh, he had a, uh, <laughs> he had a real step back and now he's fucking suspended for taking drugs. So I don't know. Uh, you'd have to go back to when I was a teenager or even younger to find a Chilean guy, I guess it's, um, Rios, Marcel, Marceleo Rios. Yeah. That's like early nineties though. Um he's pretty good. He did have eighteen career titles. So Really? I would say he's pretty good. Yeah. The lefty from Vitacura. Did he win a slam though? I don't think he did, did he? Oh, I don't I don't think so. Uh he made the Aussie finals. There you go. He did make the Aussie finals in nineteen ninety eight, if I remember correctly. This is, you know, this is just off the top of my head kind of stuff. As in you Googled him right away? <laughs> no, I, I can remember a few things about the okay. final. Sure. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, Sampras won it the year before. Um, yeah, Peter Corda won it that year. Jesus, there's a name out of that. Yeah. Boy, what a final. Peter Corda and Marcelo Rios. Anyway, back to Rio, not Rios. I'll be on Mute again. Seriously? He, he's breaking at like 40% on clay. Yeah, that is wild. Give me, um, and his number's way bigger. Way bigger if you look at the right book. He can get 50 to 1. So, um, I mean, I'm going to put like 10 bucks on it. I'm just, just to say I did. Oh, uh, yeah, he's 53 to 1 at Bookmaker. Wow. Yeah. So, actually, maybe 20. Let's get rich, kids. Uh, yeah. So Christian Guerin, hopefully team gets upset or, uh, is not a super huge favorite against Christian Guerin in the final. I don't know how team doesn't make the final. Fuck your idea of betting team might just be the way to go. Yeah. Sucks. I'll be on team. I'll be very small on, I'll be big on team, small on Mute. You are on Guerin and we're off to America where we 
this this is not like a great tournament. But there's some good names here. Hopefully the weather cooperates. Tons of Americans, bunch of Aussies. Like we said earlier, great chamber of commerce. I don't even want to get you going on that again. Uh, it's good that it's lost to the uh, lost to the, the ether. No one will ever hear that that meltdown that I had. <laughs> but yes, the Delray Beach Open is a professional men's tournament held each year in Delray Beach, Florida. Played on hard courts. Used to be in Coral Springs. And in fact, it used to be played on green clay down in Coral Springs. American Todd Martin won the first tournament singles event in 1993. Last year, Radu Olbert over Dan Evans in three, a nervy third set tiebreaker. He returns this year to face shitheel Jack Sock in the first round. We've got Kyrgios seated first, Milos seated second, and a bunch in between. Kelly. Take me through your thoughts. Uh, this tournament's usually won by a bit of an outsider. I think that you can go a little longer on a price here if that's something you're interested in. Uh, Kyrgios is the big seed here. I think there's uh, two things working against him. One, he doesn't always seem to care about 250s. Uh, the majority of his highlight real moments and titles have come in 500 level events or bigger. So he doesn't really interest me. The other thing about Kyrgios is the first quarter is the toughest of the quarters, which is not something you usually see in these little 250 events. There's no buys at Delray beach, which is also unique. Uh, most two fifties have a buy in each quarter. Uh, Delray beach runs like Doha and then it doesn't have any buys and Kyrgios has been stuck with Tennis Angren, TFO, Kekmanovic, and Kyle Edmund, and Ugo Umber. All five of those guys should at least push him if he is not firing at 100%. Uh, now, that being said, if Kyrgios is firing on 100%, you know, he could crush this field. So I'm not going to risk that gamble of whether he cares or not on a 4-1 to outright. So... I'm out on the top quarter. If you were going to take a flyer here, uh, Ugo Umber gets Kyle Edmund, who is possibly, probably, hypothetically coming off his second career title in New York. Uh, And with no buys, Edmund's probably going to have to play on Tuesday. I suspect Ugo might be able to take advantage of that. And then he would get Kekmanovic or Thompson, two guys who also made deep runs in New York. Uh, so anyway, if you like Ugo at 10 to one or 12 to one, what is he might even be higher than that? 25 to one for Ugo Umber might be a uh, long shot in the first quarter. Too tough for me to bet though. Not sure I can pick a winner out of that quarter. It's not curious. Uh, second quarter is yeah, stay away. Second quarter is bookended by. Two guys I considered betting on, Taylor Fritz and John Millman, and then a bunch of soft stuff in the middle. Uh, Yuri Vesely's traveling from Poon, coming off his second career title. Uh, Brandon Nakashima is a young wild card that doesn't scare me. Jason Young, I'm sure, used up all his personal magic to succeed in New York. Doesn't scare me. Um, Millman and Fritz are uh, two different kind of players that I think could succeed here, though. Fritz is a uh, big-serving American, 
you know, serve forehand model. And Millman's just going to get everything back to you until you run out of gas. I see them meeting in the semifinals. The difference being their price, Fritz is seven to one or eight to one, depending on the book. And Millman, you can get a 22 to one. I would basically have to do some kind of analysis on what you think the price is going to be on that match in the quarterfinals and whether it's worth it to be on Fritz at nine to one or whether you should just throw a flyer on Millman at 22 to one. I think the best answer is to skip that quarter and skip the top half in general. If either one of those guys has to play Nick Kyrgios in the semifinals, they get trucked. Um, if they play a three set rain interrupted epic in the quarterfinals, they could get beat by anybody in the semifinals, whether it's Ugo or TFO or Tennis Andrin. Um, so, anyway, I'm not a fan of anything in the top half. I'm out on that. Uh, I would skip down to the bottom where you and I had a rare agreement. Moment of clarity. Doesn't happen very often. It is currently raining in Delray Beach again. Obviously. Beautiful city, beautiful area, but you do get some rain this time of year. There was rain interruptions last night during Qualies, and there is rain interruption again right now. Accordingly, you will have some rain. Yeah. If that stresses you out, find an indoor tournament. You know who gets through matches really quick, though, and might not have to worry about rain delays? Somebody with a big serve, maybe some sort of gigantor-looking thing. Uh, big, tall, ugly dude. Yeah, Riley Opelka is the guy, I think, this week. The third quarter is filled with a lot of guys that I don't think scare me. Um, Ryan Harrison and Mackenzie McDonald, two guys who are way off their game, playing on wild cards or protected rankings. Uh, Zoomer, Kwan, Uchiyama, these are guys that are ranked in the 90s. Uh, don't scare me. And Manorino, for a guy who's ranked 44th in the world, um, usually isn't a huge threat. He's a guy who basically just wins a match and loses a match each week and keeps his ranking right around 50. Um, I think Opelka can get through all those guys pretty easily. And I think there's, there is some history of big servers doing well here, despite the fact that it's constantly raining and it's super windy. Um, Guys like Query and Roundish have made deep runs here. I think Riley can fit into that mold and at 10 to 1 or 11 to 1. Uh, the comparison I made in our first attempt at this was uh, I think Opelka is a better version of Taylor Fritz. And Fritz is 7 to 1 or 8 to 1, depending on the book, and Opelka is 11 to 1. Um, I yeah, think- for the record, if, if my splicing and editing were good enough and you haven't figured it out, we had to re record because Kelly was trying to use like, uh, I don't know, he was recording off like a kid's Kindle using a hotspot off a phone, <laughs> expecting things to work like that. But uh, in the first uh, set of recordings, I did say that Chilich, Karlovic, Query, I mean, some big servers, those, those were all right in a row. So they have won at this tournament. I mean, Milos has made a final. It was a weird one last year, but yeah. But Kevin Anderson won this tournament in 2012. A big dude with a big serve can just take this thing. So you might just end up with like Kyrgios Opelka final. You bet the over 38 and a half and kick back. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, that's a possibility in the semifinals too. Uh, the fourth quarter has Milos Raonic down there and then a bunch of guys that shouldn't scare Milos. Um, like you just said, he's made the final here before. He is a threat. Um, but I would do the same comparison 
with Opelka and Raonich that I would do with Fritz and Milman and say they're probably going to meet in the semifinals. They're both going to get through their quarter. And I can have Opelka at 11 to 1 or Raonich at 3 to 1 in a match that's probably going to be a coin flip with a bunch of tie breaks and is probably going to be lined like Milos minus 150, Opelka plus 110. I'll gladly take the um, 11 to 1 on Opelka and hope he can get through Raonic and then hope he doesn't have to play Kyrgios in the finals, which would be another probably uh, tough matchup where he'd be a dog and there'd be some tie breaks. Um, the other thing I will mention again is if like if Kyrgios cares, everything comes with an asterisk. Um, he serves almost as well as some of the serve bots on tour, and obviously the difference is he can break serve a lot better than them. Uh, if he gets through a tough first quarter, uh, I would think he would beat both Raonic and Alpelka in the final. So hopefully that's not the case. He gets put out and he is spending his time partying in Miami uh, and not playing tennis. And all that Alpelka has to worry about is Raonic in the semifinals. That'd be perfect. Is it that close to Miami? I don't think it's far. Delray Beach to Miami. Exactly where Delray Beach is. Okay. Yeah, it's just north of Boca Raton. Yeah, we're talking so, like less than an hour. It's. Uh, I would uh, a little longer than that. Boy, traffic through Pompano Beach. Okay. Not great. <laughs> Let's not break down traffic. I will be on Riley Opelka with you. I found eleven to one. I'm more than excited to take that number. Hopefully, he can make us some money again this year. Kelly, have you written an outright article yet for this week, or are you way behind as usual? Oh, I am way behind. There was a lot of kids in my house last night. We were doing a lot of babysitting, so they're uh... okay. There, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Neverland North. <laughs> let's let's cut uh, let's cut that out since we're fucking splicing stuff together. Oh, okay. That's Either way, whatever I, what what happens, I don't know what goes on in Canada. <laughs> if you're running some sort of uh, illegal daycare system, but Neverland. Either way, there. you need to get on your you need to get on your horse. Write that article. Sure do. And look for the outright article on Bang the Book sometime today, Sunday. Look for the articles on DeepDiveMedia.co every day that contains Kelly's bets. Um, should we do a quick rundown? We both took a Pelka in Rio. I did some Mute and some team. You did some what? Christian Guerin. Christian Guerin. <laughs> Let's that. go. Marseille. I don't even remember. That was like two hours ago at this point because recording has taken so damn long. <laughs> two hours and three podcasts ago. Uh, Marseille. We are not liking Medvedev. We are not liking Sitsipas. I am liking Moran Chilich to serve oh. his way through a super quick surface uh, where he has performed well before. And, and I took Fuksovic. You took, yeah, Fuksovic. At 30 to right. 1, though, you're excited about that. I am not scared. So rate, review, like, upvote, share, retweet, hearts, anything you can. And enjoy the tennis this week. We're slowly moving our way towards a couple of good ones. In Miami and Indian Wells. That'll do it. Nice. Thanks, thanks Andy. Good job.